0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, I don't understand why not. Subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Get it automatically when it uploads. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever of those platforms that you choose. You can like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to MyFirstSketch.com where I'll post any of the videos or information that we talk about in today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So we held on hope for as long as we could, but Philly Sketch Fest has been postponed until the fall. As life returns to its new normal, we'll work with our venue partners to reschedule the festival in the fall and have the best f- festival that we could. Because it became very clear that if we were able to have anything on June 3rd through the 7th, it would be, you know, half the fun that it was supposed to be. So new dates will come. We'll have fun. We'll make each other laugh in the fall. In the meantime, I'd like to announce that Philly Sketch Fest and My First Sketch will be hosting Sketchubator, a sketch comedy incubator. We're going to take to Zoom starting May 1st at 10 p.m. and inviting sketch writers from all over to share their unfinished and unpolished work as a way of getting feedback and seeing if new material is working so grab your first drafts and watch phillysketchfest.com and myfirstsketch.com as well as all the social media pages for more details and links but now a word from our friends at sketch nerds are you a fan of sketch comedy like monty python key and peel and saturday night live have you ever wondered why
1: their sketches are funny or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh. On the comedy podcast,
0: Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketch Today's guest is John D. Babcock, currently the head writer of Sketchworks in Atlanta, Georgia. John's first sketch is called The Grammar Box. It's written to be a short film, so I'll be reading the camera direction as well as the role of Adam, who is the roommate of the lead character. John reads the roles of Ted, who's the lead, and The Grammar Box, which is a product which is exactly what it sounds like, a box that helps the grammar. So let's get to the sketch. Exterior rundown apartment building day. Sound effects of a typewriter typing. Interior apartment day. Tad sits at the kitchen table typing on an electric typewriter. Adam, seated across from Tad, is reading a book.
1: There. I finally finished my paper. And just in time, too. I've got 20 minutes to turn this in. Hey, aren't you going to proofread this? I haven't got time. Besides, proofreading isn't that important. Did I hear someone say proofreading isn't important?
0: Tad and Adam look around to find where the voice is coming from. They finally see the grammar box in the living room. What are you? Tad and Adam get up to the, and go to the living room. I'm the grammar box. Who? Cut to a medium shot of grammar box sitting on top of the television in the living room.
1: The grammar box. Wow.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. Great. But what do you do?
1: I came to prevent Tad from making a big mistake. Help me? What mistake? I overheard you
0: say proofreading isn't important. Tad and Adam look at each other confused.
1: Yeah, what about it? I'm here to show you just how important proofreading really is.
0: Proofreading important? How? Well, what if your grocer didn't proofread the expiration date on your milk? Cut to the interior of the apartment kitchen day. It's a hypothetical scene. Tad sits on the kitchen counter eating cereal adam opens refrigerator and pours himself a glass of milk the milk pours out of the carton like cottage cheese adam makes a disgusted face tad does a spit take with the cereal back to the living room tad and adam jerk as if coming out of the hypothetical scene whoa wow i never thought of that grammar box
1: or what if your doctor didn't proofread the prescription on your bottle
0: Interior bathroom day. Hypothetical scene again. Tad picks up a prescription bottle and reads the label. Tad drops the bottle, his eyes cross, and he makes a groaning noise. Tad falls to the floor. Adam rushes in and performs CPR on Tad. Pox, make it stop! Back to the living room. Tad and Adam again jerk as if they're coming out of the hypothetical scene. Jeez. I never thought of that. Or what if the writers didn't proofread this script? Interior Apartment living room. Another hypothetical scene. Tad and Adam are looking to camera. Who are you? Who are you? I'm the hammer box. Who? Cut to close up of the grammar box with a hammer resting on top of it.
1: The hammer box.
0: Cut to the living room day. Adam and Tad again jerk as if they're coming out of the hypothetical scene. Whoa. Jeez.
1: Never thought of that. Or what if God didn't proofread the Bible? wait a minute grammar box box. hold on
0: i think we've heard enough
1: we get the idea so Tad, what are you going to do i'm gonna sit back down and proofread my paper
0: cut to the apartment day ted seated at the kitchen table is busy typing on the typewriter adam is sitting across from him and playing chess with the grammar box after a few moments of typing ted pulls out the paper
1: there well you were right grammar box I proofread and found at least 5 mistakes which would have cost me a letter grade Great I thought so Now with this new and improved paper I'll be sure to get an A If you turn it in on time you have 2 minutes to get it to class or it'll be late Oh god
0: Tad runs out Adam smiles and points to grammar box Grammar box lights up blackout
1: Hey John. Hey Josh, how are you?
0: I'm all right. So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about Grammar Box. Where did this idea come from?
1: It um, it came from wanting to do uh, like a, a a parody or a spoof of those uh, after school special uh, type videos and uh, you know the more you know uh, type type things. Just j- just kind of a a, a ridiculous uh, thing where we created. Um, this box with punctuation as facial features, uh, out of, uh, you know, I forget what we use for the base of it, but you know, then we put like, uh, uh paper around it and just kind of drew in all the different facial features, put a light bulb inside the box and had somebody literally, literally flicking the light switch so that the bulb would come on as, as the grammar box spoke. Uh, this was done for, for video. It's never been done on, on stage. Uh, cause at the time I wrote it, uh, me and a couple of my friends had this sketch show for our college campus television station, and so we were just all coming up with different sketch ideas, and and uh, yeah, I came up with this idea about kind of a spoofing a after school special type uh, type event where the grammar box shows up to tell you how important proofreading is, you know that kind of <laughs> that kind of thing seemed rather you know banal and and everything, but. We uh, we turned in. All right. I do remember um, looking at it now when I was kind of preparing it, uh, you know, to, to, to send to you to, to share. Um, I, I have kind of those hypothetical situations. There's no buildup. It kind of starts. I have them in the wrong order. It uh, should have started off with like proofreading, then the, the spoiled milk, then the, uh, the prescription bottle. Uh, and then finally, the uh, you know, the one about hell. Uh, and actually, when the original draft of it, uh, my idea for the one about what if God didn't proofread the Bible was actually have like satanic music playing, blasting the grammar box set on fire, some type of blood coming out of its mouth and eyes type thing. And and the, <laughs> the guys I was working with was like, uh, John, how about some limitations? We may not have that ability <laughs> right right now to do, to do that kind of thing for this <laughs> closed circuit college TV station. It's like, OK, OK. Um, yeah it it was interesting going back and finding this
0: it's interesting to like uh have that thought of like because i've always been the type of writer that like would write to my limitations like you know i can't do special effects and stuff so i'm gonna write as human as possible and then when you hit those limitations Mm -hmm. you're like oh geez like this has to be performed this has to be produced like how are we gonna do it like exactly I remember in college, like like in my like sketch writing like my screenwriting classes, all these people had like these really great like fantastical CGI driven like films in their head, and I'm like uh, mm. just like three people sitting around having coffee. Like I was like super yeah. <laughs> uh, super like influenced by like like before midnight, before sunrise, before sunset, like those kinds of movies mm-hmm. where it's just people talking. Yeah, and I'm like I could probably write conversations that are interesting enough for this, like.
1: Right, right. You're looking at it going. Oh, I can, I can do that. That's that's easy. You know, a table, a couple of chairs, some friends. You know, that kind of thing. You're 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 right. Um, and I, I think this is one of the early ones that did make me realize. Okay, well, what 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 is possible? What what can we do? And let's write right to that. Versus, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, so you actually I, I don't pro- think
1: anybody would have a problem with that? But
0: no. Uh, so you actually produced this for a college TV show. How did did, did you ever get any like feedback from an audience for it?
1: It was mainly, it was so weird because the, um, the close circuit, uh, where I went to college, they would have TVs like around the school campus, uh, but nothing that fed to like the dormitories. So if kids were out like in the, the, the dining hall or, uh, you know, walking down the halls or, you know, kind of in a area where they had like a little gathering of, of, of seats or whatever, that's where they had the 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 television monitors that's where where the the audience was so you 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 never really knew if anybody saw anything uh, I I was very surprised when one day a guy came in and said hey can I get copies of uh, you know all your sketch on on my VHS here and I was like oh yeah absolutely hey man you know and then just started picking his brain well, what did you like what have you seen you know that kind of that kind of stuff uh, so mainly was gauging by the other people at the TV station um, who I knew we were watching it and, and finding out what they liked uh, about it. But no, I, we got great kind of response uh, from the grammar box, uh, hmm. limited response we did get.
0: <laughs> and, and this is back in college. So like what drove you to start writing sketch comedy like this back then?
1: I think it was, I, I remember as a, as a kid, I, I think it was, my dad had like a tape recorder and I remember being able to use that and like coming up with different voices and just kind of not writing so much, but just thinking of different like interviews and scenarios that, that I could do as as different little voices and would, would do them on like these audio cassettes. And then didn't really start writing until, uh, high school. Um, when that, the video, the, uh, the cassette tape evolved into a video camera, um, that, uh, that I was able to use that a neighbor had that I kind of borrowed until they said, Hey, can, can we have our, our camera back now, please kid. <laughs> um, so, and it was going out like in the woods on the weekends and, and, you know, shooting uh, bad horror films with our uh, VHS camera and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and actually, but actually writing those not just going out and winging it. saying okay, we'll have this. And then this character dies and, you know we'll go move on to this scene and stuff like that and i think the first one was maybe uh, under 10 minutes long we were like wow that's not we thought we wrote this half hour thing and no it's only 10 minutes uh so yeah it was kind of that and then when i went to college and got involved with the the tv station um they said well if you have any show ideas you know bring them and uh, at first i did and it was just kind of collecting a lot of the videos that my friends had shot through high school and editing like the funny parts into one collective Ten-minute episode that was called "Mixed Nuts," horrible name. Um, but then we, uh, then we continued on. I was like, "Well, I'm out of old material. Might as well write some, some, some new material." And I, and I, you know, I, I think I, I took maybe one class uh, about writing, uh, more creative writing than like writing uh, for like a, a script. Um, I, I, but most of it, I was just kind of just did it and winged it and learned as I went along in terms of like, oh, this is the right formatting and, oh, you want to put, you know, this information in, you know, so it, it just kind of really threw my own interest in it rather than taking mm. a class or being taught. It just kind of evolved from there.
0: Um, so what were you into growing up? I mean, you mentioned like doing like audio stuff and, and tape stuff as a kid. So what, what were you watching? What were you consuming that made you want to do that kind of stuff?
1: I remember my dad kind of introducing me to like uh, the Marx Brothers and Laurel and Hardy and you know kind of uh, old stuff that was being run on television and cable uh, back then because it was you know uh, license free. Um, so it was it was really kind of that and and uh, really getting getting into uh, like Avon Costello. I remember one channel on Sundays at one o'clock would would run an Avon Costello movie every week and. I would have my lunch and then go and watch that for, for two hours. So it was, it was kind of that. And then, um, I found that I, I had an interest in it and was actually like going on my own to like the library to look up books about the Marx brothers and Evan Costello and reading more about it. So, you know, my interest went beyond just watching the movies and being satisfied with that. It was like, Oh, well, let me, I'd like to learn how they did that and you know what they went through and how they evolved and all that kind of stuff. and, and then, um, you know, it, it moved on as I got older to, you know, like, uh, or even as a kid, uh, the Muppet show came on. That was a big, a big thing. And that was, uh, you know, kind of probably my first introduction to sketch, um, yeah which was a natural evolution from like Sesame Street, you know, you enjoyed Sesame Street, your kids are going to enjoy, you know, the Muppet show um, and stuff like the Carol Burnett show and watching, you know, kind of Tim Conway and his characters and um, and then just you know, I just had that interest and just evolved to like, you know, SCTV and Fridays and Monty Python laughing, you know, all the kind of early television sketch shows. Um, uh, I kind of, you know, would, would watch and consume and, and then, uh, you know, move on. Uh, yeah. It was, it was kind of, you know, that stuff or, or early on just that early introduction to kind of early comedy and then uh, progressing it and learning, you know, what happened since then, that kind of stuff
0: so i have no real frame of reference for abbott and costello like (laughs) like i i know that they have like abbott and costello meets the so-and-so monster movies like
1: right yeah so
0: like is there something that you would recommend to me like um as a complete novice of the abbott and costello canon
1: it, it, it's tough because uh, you know I, I was watching it when I was you know maybe about 10, 11, 12, you know that that kind of uh so there's a certain a certain amount of humor that I've grown out of. I would say though, uh, Buck Privates was their first one, um, which is Buck you know still going. Buck Privates, yeah, B U C K. Okay. Where they, they're in the army. they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not the other. Um, were they going to like the army? And that's got some, okay. you know, funny, funny routines in it. Um, uh, but then there's also there's one called uh, oh, uh, I think the probably the, the biggest one is "Hold That Ghost," which uh, which is like Aben Costello in a haunted house. Okay. <laughs> which is actually there's there's a story and there, and you know other people are with them and it's actually funny and there's some musical numbers you know that kind of thing if you can if you can stand that but you know uh, that are kind of the 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 better of uh of the, of the canon of Abbott and Costello. And, you know, as it got older and they were making, you know, like uh, Africa screams was like one of their last ones, which is like, Ooh, guys, this is really, <laughs> you should have called it in, but you know, they're getting paid to, to make it. So they're going to make it, you know, that kind of thing Their you know, their classic routine is the who's on first.
0: Sure. Uh, which yeah. I think
1: pe- a lot of people know more than they know Abbott and Costello, but uh, you know, just that kind of, that kind of thing. But,
0: yeah, for And the, even the the that I feel job, yeah. like a lot of people know who's on first don't understand that like I feel like they only know like the first half of it like like I, yeah like I, I think yeah. people don't realize that that sketch is much longer than it is because like you hear who's on first what's on second I don't know on third but they go through the rest yeah. of the team like it's not yeah. just like but like if I feel like we always cut that in half now.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's just that first part. But no, they do go rest at like the outfielder and uh, and the shortstop and and you know, the pitcher and yeah, everybody. Uh, just that, just that confusion, you know, type of thing.
0: Yeah, I'm always like, I don't know, I don't know if it was just me growing up in the time I did or where I did, and my TV station is just not syndicating those movies or anything. But like, I have a, a you know a small memory of the the Three Stooges, but hmm. I, I really don't have anything. Like of those old like, of those old movies that went from vaudeville to the screen, like Marx Brothers, Abbott Costello, Lorna Hardy. Right. Like, and I feel like I, I kind of yeah, missed I out think, a little bit.
1: Well, they're there. Uh, you can go back, but you know, I I am a a little bit older uh, than you, maybe more than a little bit. But uh, <laughs> when when um, it's interesting, and I've had this conversation with other people, you know, involved with comedy, kind of my age, who will drop things, uh, you know, about. Marx Brothers movies or Robin Costello that people, you know, kind of in their mid to early thirties and younger have no, no knowledge of. Um, And it's, you know, I I think it's because when guys are now in their, you know, or people in their, in their forties kind of came up, cable TV was new and maybe you didn't even have cable TV. So there are all these independent TV stations and they were just running old movies And so, you know, if you're, if you're inside, if it's raining or, you know, snowy out or whatever, and you're stuck watching TV, that's what's on, you know, you don't have umpteen channels or or streaming services to go to. So you're going to watch that and you're going to get introduced to all that stuff. So it was more like, well, there was nothing else. So I'm going to watch this. And, you know, you found the stuff that you did like and, and, uh, and other stuff that that you didn't. So I, I think it's, I think it's that, um, just just the era that people grew up in is uh strictly uh, for that reason.
0: Yeah, I I, but now it's all like, out there and so many Yeah. I remember like as a kid, like I I I don't think I looking back I totally notice it and I can like clear, clearly see it happening. But like when I was a kid, there was a time where like all the syndicated shows were you know very 70s like it was Brady Bunch Yeah. um Brady Bunch, Gilligan's Island, a couple other ones and then right. all of a sudden it was the late 80s, 90s shows where Cosby Show, Full House, like those like yeah. the more homespun family sitcoms of the late 80s, 90s showed up. And all of those 70s ones went away from me. And I didn't have cable for, like until I was an adult. So like when they went away, they completely went away. Yeah, exactly. Like,
1: there, were, there was no place you could go to, to get, get them or access them. Um, unless you, and this would have been more kind of mid to late eighties, you know, you had a VCR and you could record stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but otherwise you're right there. It's it's not like now where, you know, you could pull up a Monty Python sketch by going to YouTube or, uh, looking at, you know, something by, uh, you know, kids in the hall or, you know, whatever you can, you, can, you have that if somebody mentions that to you, Oh, let me look that up yeah you didn't we didn't have that
0: <laughs> like I, I, I remember like mama's family like and thinking like okay. that looks old but then like growing up i was like oh this wasn't as old as i thought it was like mama's right. family happened years after the carol burnett show actually start like ended. like there was a, a good chunk yeah. of time yeah, between yeah. the two the two series happening like but it felt so much older than me to me
1: yeah yeah and i think that's probably the style of humor
0: Um, Yeah, for sure.
1: For shows shows like Mama's Family and stuff like that, you know, there's a definite style of, I don't know what they called maybe family humor or whatever at the time that um, doesn't translate well now. Yeah. Eh, I guess it depends.
0: (laughs) All (laughs) right. So, not that uh, they did
1: bad work, but, you know,
0: yeah. uh, Bridge the gaps to me of like from this college TV show. To what I know you do now of sketchworks, like do you do any creative pro- projects in between? Like,
1: yeah. So, um, kind of overlapping, my college sketch show was. I got involved with a uh, improv group um, in the Atlanta area back when there was maybe only four groups total in the whole city. Um, uh, now it's you know kind of exploded as it has uh, everywhere. Um, and um, we, were, uh, we were together and performed at various locations uh, that we could find around the city before we would get kicked out eventually <laughs> for about four years. And uh, then when, when that kind of ended, uh, uh, shortly after that, one of the other uh, established improv uh, theaters in Atlanta called Dad's Garage, they were putting together a, a weekly sketch show called Free Parking. And, uh, it was like blank page to stage every, every, every Friday night. So, you know, it was, it was kind of that, uh, I likened it to like the SNL experience where, you know, you're going fresh in mm-hmm. every week with, with different stuff going on and you got to come up with, with material. And so, uh, originally me and a couple other people were kind of their, their featured, you know, kind of performers. It was mainly for their, uh, main stage established, uh, repertoire, uh repertory repertoire yeah uh ensemble that's the better word <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was mainly for for them to come up with stuff um but after maybe like three or four weeks the those main stage established people there kind of stopped writing uh, new sketches and uh, the rest of us were given more and more an opportunity because the show was needed to to go so we kind of uh you know took advantage of that and really started to become the the people who started to do more and more with the show, it started to become, you know, kind of, uh, our show, um, th- this hmm. other group, which caused a little bit of tension later on, because it was actually, you know, doing well. And people were talking about it and, you know, we were selling out seats and all that kind of stuff. Um, and eventually it became like, well, you know, wh- why are we serving up these time? You know, these people aren't even, uh, um, you know, members at dads and why we're giving them stage time. And it became a, a real politicky thing, you know, which is unfortunate. Um, but uh, we, we did two years of it. Um, and it ran from like, I think, I think like five, five or six months that, that we did it. And it was, like I said, it was great fun just coming up with with stuff every week and just having an outlet for it. So, you know, I did a lot of writing um, for that that was kind of my first real introduction to, to, uh, to doing sketch comedy live on a stage uh,
0: versus, right. you
1: know, versus like recording things. Uh, so it, it was, there was a lot to, well, I learned a lot certainly and still, you know, I'm, I'm learning. I think everybody is, but uh, it was, it was an interesting kind of transition to go, okay, this, you can't do this on stage. Like you want to do it on, you know, on, on, recorded on, on tape or you know on digital or whatever so yeah that was kind of a uh, interesting way to do it and the fact that you know like I said we had every Friday night for five six months coming up with new material um, it really it was really helpful
0: <laughs> yeah I we I don't think there's anyone in Philadelphia that's doing sketch comedy like even monthly yeah so whenever I hear of people doing it weekly, yeah, like my eyes are just like bigger than my like it's I I just can't fathom it. Like, I know. Like, yeah. And everyone talks about the, everyone talks about the grand of SNL like being a weekly show, but they only do twenty to twenty two a year, right? But a lot of like all the theaters that do have a weekly show do it every week of the year or like fifty weeks of the year, and I just I like it's just the work that goes into it just is. Yeah, I, it would- I can't. I can't picture it at all. Like.
1: You're you're definitely in a mindset of you're always thinking about you know premises and sketch ideas and and you know what to do, um and and I, like I said I, I really uh, in, enjoyed that and yeah same thing when I tell people now that I meet that are involved with sketch when they ask about stuff and how you know my first shows and all that kind of stuff and I tell them about that it was a weekly same thing yeah their eyes go wide and they're like I can't even imagine doing tra- well. You- you just kind of uh, got your head down, got to work and, and, and did it. And, you know, they weren't all exceptional, but, you know, right. you, you you move on.
0: <laughs> when when you do a weekly show like that, like, cause I'm always, I'm always intrigued by the idea of like us, like my rule of thumb is um, a live, a live sketch that you do on stage isn't finished, isn't ever going to be finished until you like, you actually film it and make it like for YouTube or something. so when oh, you do a live show that. like that where you're where you're like turning over content oh I hate that word. when you're turning over material like that, are yeah. do you hold on to stuff to like edit and redo later?
1: Uh, yeah, I think the stuff it's interesting because the, the stuff that I remember that worked well um I've kind of have set aside. From, from that time and, and have even like restaged, uh, you know, years later. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that maybe was a little rough, a little, little chunky. Um, you, you do, you do make a note of that, you know, the, you know, or I used to, you know, this, this part, you know, didn't work, you know, no laugh or, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, so you can go back and, and revisit those notes to then polish it up. But, um, that that's usually way after the fact because you're you're too busy thinking about what's the next sketch gonna be and oh this character worked in this sketch let's let's do another sketch with that character you know that's where the kind of the reoccurring thing comes up because that that is so easy it's like oh well they like this character let's let's put this character in a different situation and you know okay I got one sketch down three more you know that kind of thing
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that full on because uh, I think that's a big part of the groundlings of like their improv thing is like find a character and and basically milk it dry like yeah i mean Wee herman started on a groundling stage <laughs> and right grew out of that like um and then snl in the 90s they were a big groundlings cast so that's yeah. why we had so many characters there in that late 90s season. exactly
1: yeah like the uh, the cheerleaders uh, and
0: uh, yeah Roxbury
1: boys and all that
0: so how do we get to sketchworks
1: well a- after that kind of ended uh i got like a I got a nine to five <laughs> and worked there for maybe 15 years and, and kept kind of my toe in it a, a, a little bit when, when I could uh, and by when, when I say that mainly doing like uh, corporate murder mystery shows um, okay uh, yeah. every every once in a while you know uh, IBM wants entertainment during their their quarterly dinner or whatever you know we would uh, they hire. Yeah. so I you know every once in a while but then I started getting some more uh, outside, uh, freelance writing j- jobs and really had, uh, had enough of, of the, uh, the corporate world because I'd work at a, at a bank and then it was also a paralegal and the other, the writing stuff started to pop up and that became almost like a second full-time job. So I was like spending my weekends writing and not really spending time with family or, or friends or anything like that. And so, uh, fortunately, you know, talk to my, to my wife and was able to transition to do the freelance and and out of the, the corporate uh, stuff. Um, so once I got involved in doing more freelance writing, uh, then I started looking more into uh, where the scene was in Atlanta at that time, because it had changed a lot and not necessarily wanting to go back to to improv. I, I, I kind of felt like I, I did that, you know, and I know there are people that just like you know, live, eat, and drink improv, and and they love that. Not going out there, and and yeah, that is a lot of fun. But I was now looking for something that I could write and have an outlet for. You know, more of uh, my sketch ideas, and and that's where I kind of learned of um, Sketchworks because they started in two thousand and one, right when I you know kind of got out of things for a bit, and uh, I, I but I you know did know about them. I I don't remember if I actually went to see a show at all. I I may have uh, early on, but um. But yeah, then I learned about them and I actually met one of the the cast members and uh, started talking to her. And I said, well, how did you get involved? And she goes, well, I, you know, I took some classes and got involved that way. And I was like, okay. So I looked on their website and they weren't offering any classes at that time. And I was like, oh, okay. And kind of put it in the back of my mind. Three months later, she got back in touch with me and said, hey, I'm directing a sketchwork show. We're having trouble with casting. Uh, if I clear it with the with the producers and owners, would you know are you available these days? Would you want to do a show? Because I know you, you know, said you were interested. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so that's how I kind of I kind of just snuck in. I, I didn't take a class from them. Nice. I, I didn't audition. I just <laughs> kind of slipped in. So I was just a cast member in that first show for them. And then um talked to to the owners. They they liked what I did on stage and started to talk to the owners and the head writer at the time and and said, you know, I also do writing, and so I submitted stuff. They they liked it, and it just, I just has, I've just been there <laughs> ever since.
0: <laughs> mm. So explain the, the the sketchworks process to me. Like, how does the sketchworks show evolve from it's... start to finish? Or like, are you know, are they always themed? Is there like, you know, what's the process to sketchworks for you?
1: It it has become. Uh, recently i'd say within the past like 18 months more themed uh they, when i first gotten started it was just kind of a you know here's a sketch show here's the title you know here, here's here's some sketches but recently they decided decided to do more of a, a themed one last year we had an 80s themed sketch show called the sketchfist club mm-hmm. and so it, it's kind of basically at the director's discretion they pick a couple different you know uh, themes run it by the producers. Um, they, you know, land on the one that they really want to do. And then it goes to the writers. Okay. Here's the theme, you know, come up with, you know, sketches that you can about the eighties or um, or about uh, workplace sketches, you know, that kind of stuff. And then the, the writers will come up with stuff. We usually meet on a Tuesday night via Skype because a lot of them are out of state and even out, we got one out of the country. She's in India uh, Prachi. So she has to get up at like, she's got to get up like at 5am her time for a 7pm meeting our time. So we're, we're always like apologetic, but she's, she enjoys it and, you know, loves starting her day that way. Um, but yeah, so then it's just the, the writer's room is reading the sketches, getting notes kind of from everybody's input in terms of what they think worked, what they didn't think worked, maybe try this. And then the writer, you know, kind of going back and, and doing another revision and bringing it back and that kind of, that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really kind of the, the director saying right, this is the theme um, come up with some sketches about that. And then, and then, so we'll write, you know, everybody will write, you know, several sketches and the director will then narrow it down to 12 to 15 that they, that they like, that will fit the the hour uh, for, for the show.
0: You mentioned that a lot of like the, the sketchworks writers aren't all in Atlanta. Like, yeah. Like you, y'all have spread out that much. Like, like life has taken people to other places and they they stay with you guys.
1: Well, uh, yeah. Cu- uh, a couple have life has taken them elsewhere and they've, they've stayed. Uh, there are some that have taken like uh, a writing class virtually. So it's, it's done over Skype or over zoom or whatever. Sure. Uh, and they, you know, meet once a week and with the the other uh, the other people in the class, and then the instructor, and, and do it that way. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a combination of, of both. Some have moved away. Now, you know, a lot have moved away that you know no longer uh, are involved with with sketchworks, and, that, and you know that's fine. But uh, yeah, some have and have kept in touch, and then others have taken virtual classes and you know have gone through those and. Yeah. uh, So we have a a woman in uh, Michigan who uh, submits stuff. And like I said, uh, we got a guy in uh, Florida who I think used to be here, but then moved to Florida, but, you know, continued. And then um, Prachi uh, Singh out in, uh, out in India who, yeah, supplies a lot of, a lot of funny stuff. And and it's interesting because we sometimes have to explain Americanisms, you know, in terms of sketches of why, you know, people are laughing at this line because it doesn't translate. There is always that, you know, the hardest thing mm. I think is sarc is sarcasm for for someone whose English isn't their first language because you know you could be say something pleasant but the way you're saying it is not pleasant and you know that's the real meaning behind it so
0: it's interesting like and they found this, the sketchworks through a, a virtual class from India. Yeah, yeah. She she was,
1: you know, searching wow. kind of on Google looking for, you know, sketch comedy and, and landed on Sketchwork. I'm sure she found others and had reached out to them um, uh, about stuff. And but this one, uh, you know, kind of connected with her and she took the class virtually. And yeah, we're, we're well, we <laughs> we did have a show planned uh, for the beginning of April uh, in which a couple of her sketches were involved. But that had to be postponed because of yeah. everything going on.
0: But yeah, yeah. That's so wild. It, it,
1: it yeah, really. How really is it
0: is. how is it writing like virtually like that, like as a team, like you know, going on Skype and like or Zoom and like having that virtual writer's room versus being in a room together?
1: I I you know, I think I think we would all prefer it if we were uh in, in the room, but we we've kind of all adapted to to that virtual way of doing things. And it, and, you know, it, it it's not, it's not too bad and you, you can do it, you know, you, you, don't have to, uh, uh, you know, well, I got, I got to think about traffic and I got to drive there and let me, you know, do that. You know, you could just, Oh, I got five minutes. Okay. Let me go to the bathroom and then hop on. So, you know, it's become, you know, a little bit more convenient to do it, uh, that way. And it, it works out. Sure. Well, there's obviously, you know, sometimes some glitches and technical things, but overall, it, it works out
0: pretty good. Hmm. I, I, that's another <laughs> thing that I would, I would, that would, I would, in, I would infinitely prefer being in the same room and like arguing with someone in person about why yes. I think my dumb jokes funny versus <laughs> on Skype. Yes, for sure. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, yeah. So, um, tell me about sketchworks. Tell me like what, like I mean, you mentioned that it started bit like an O one. Like yeah. Tell like. Tell me how sketchwork fits in the scene there in Atlanta.
1: It's it's kind of was one of the early and consistent uh, sketch comedy uh, groups uh, in, in town. Like I said, when they started and even before that, there was, it was a lot of focus on improv just because, you know, that's that's fun and it's very easy to do. Uh, so they were kind of the, the first consistent group to do uh, sketch. I don't think anybody else at that time was doing it. And, um, and, and they've just kept at it for, you know, since 2001 uh, uh, doing, doing sketch. And I, I think it, it has, you know, as they have grown, I think the, uh, the attitude and respect towards what they were doing has, has grown as, as well. Uh, Cause you know, there, there are, we've all met improv performers that are very, you know, um. Uh, very uh, singularly minded about improv and, and, you know, that it's only that and that's the way and there's, there's nothing else, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's uh, you know, they've evolved and and going back uh, and even looking at some of those first shows or first scripts, I mean, it was quite lengthy. It was more like a, a one act. Um, <laughs> hmm. And so it's interesting to see the evolution over time to that, to making things, Okay, you know, if you're at four pages, that should be max. Anything beyond that, we got to start looking at cuts. You know, let let's let let's get in there and um and churn it and burn it. Um, so yeah, they've uh, they've definitely grown and gotten be- to become more of the scene. And there's there's now, a, I would say, a sketching that has sketch scene that has grown up in Atlanta uh, around that. Other other groups and other um uh, theaters are starting to you know form and create their own. Uh, sketch teams. And it's it's really evolved. And, and now, you know, it isn't just Sketchworks. It may be one other. There's, you know, about five, six different uh, sketch groups uh, going around town. But uh, Sketchworks has been kind of the consistent, you know, uh, forefather, maybe, in that? And maybe that's, that's yeah, uh, that may be pumping us up too much. But 2001, you know, we, we've put the time in.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's oh. like, I don't think anything in Philadelphia has lasted that long, like as a sketch thing, like at least, yeah. And, and performed consistently like that for sure. Right.
1: And like the original, like people that a uh, couple that, that founded it uh, have gone away and another group came in and, and then they went. And then, so now, you know, uh, uh, Brian Troxell and Julie share uh, own it and run it and have done so for, uh, I think about five years or something like that now. So, yeah, okay. it's definitely I mean, there were oper- there were moments when it could have stopped and, and just dissolved. But thankfully, people have like carried the the baton and like, no, we're going to we're going to continue with this because, you know, we feel it's important and it's and it's a lot of fun.
0: So it hasn't been like one consistent like owner like throughout, but like someone has always stepped up and picked up the mantle, yeah. so to say.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not sure when uh, it was, but like uh, the original two people that were kind of running it were you know, getting burned out, I I guess, or from what I understand and and kind of done with things and wanted to do other things. And uh, I think they proposed then to, you know, or made the announcement that they were, you know, going to be doing that. And if anybody wanted to uh, stick with it, they could, you know, make arrangements where they would have the name and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely, um, I think, I think Brian and Julie uh, were like the the third pair that have, have run it. Uh, in in okay. these, in these 19 years
0: so um i, I did not mention this when we you know we were getting together but actually i saw you guys in new york two years ago oh nice uh at sketch fest like i went up for the yeah. day and you know caught a bit of what was going on so when you do a traveling show like that like uh and and you had mentioned that in the recent past you have veered more towards themed shows which is generally super helpful when it comes to writing for sure. Like, especially when you can nail the theme very well. Uh, Do you have a specific um, strategy when you do the traveling shows, those festival shows like that?
1: I think for that, it's more of um, uh, what, what in the past year or at least since we've done that, because you were talking about uh, at the pit, right? When we went up at the
0: people's improv. It would have been pit 18.
1: Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, because we didn't do it in 19. Uh but yeah, yeah. So anyway, um it's basically kind of taking, well, what who do we have doing it and what are the strong sketches from our various shows that you know that we feel are, are, are good and, and we could take it to a, a different audience or out of state audience or a festival or that kind of thing. So it is it is more kind of selecting the um the ones the 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 best of, I guess you could say, or the ones that have gotten the best response to perform those. That, you know, you don't need a lot of setup for, like, you know, uh, well, this sketch sketch won't work because this was specific to this theme show. And if you don't have that back knowledge, it's not gonna, it's not going to translate well, uh, you know, then we wouldn't we wouldn't do that. So it's it is kind of selecting uh, kind of what what has worked best for us uh, with the actors, with the audience, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, and you now teach with, within the Sketchworks program, you teach writing, right? Like... Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Earlier, actually, at, to the end of last year, I became the the head writer, and um, yeah, I have started you know teaching the uh, the level one and level two sketch writing class, and uh, and also do also we we uh, <laughs> we went out to a uh, a charter school, a private charter school, two of us, and I taught. Uh, kind of the high school kids it was part of their theater class and he brought in myself and then uh one of the sketchwork actors uh christian crable to kind of teach acting and then i was taking the ones that were interested in writing and taking you know kind of talking with them about writing and teaching them about writing uh at at like a high school level which i would have i would have eaten up (laughs) if if that was a
0: oh yeah oh i would have too
1: yeah so uh so that's been fun
0: so all right, first off, how do you like what's the process be- of becoming the head writer of the team? Like is <laughs> is it a voting thing? Is it just seniority? Like
1: I th- it was it was um, I think it was more of uh, not necessarily seniority, but I, the previous head writer um, Bill Sabrak, who still does write for for sketchworks, so he just didn't uh, have time um, in, in doing the head writing stuff any any longer uh it was it was basically off of his recommendation to the owners uh to brian and julie um kind mm. of kind of seeing i guess a combination of things in terms of like uh, pr- uh production you know how, how how many sketches you know i do come up with and and you know uh level of consistency you know that those those type of things and then and then i'm there i'm, I'm also i perform in, in a lot of the shows as well uh, so I have, you know, kind of that, that stage knowledge in addition to that, you know, writing knowledge and that kind of stuff. So it, I think it was, it was more of lines of, of, of that, uh, based on his recommendation and, um, yeah. And then they asked me and I was like, oh yeah, I'd be honored. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be great.
0: <laughs> so now as head writer, are you writing less for the shows or like, or is it like more of the editing
1: uh, it's, it's more of, uh, more of the editing and kind of organizing the other writers and setting up the, the writers meeting and, you know, communicating to, to them about what's going on, you know, with the shows and what, you know, what else sketchworks is doing and what we need. We just started, uh, we have this, a lot of times in our shows, we have this segment called a news break, which, you know, weekend update type, type thing. And, sure. you know, we just kind of look at topical stuff that, uh, Brian Troxell, uh, he hosts, and uh, so anyway, with everything going on, actually beginning of this year, even before that, with uh, with with all the issues, we had started to do that on a weekly basis and release it, you know, on, on YouTube, on Facebook, on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Just a quick little, you know, five minute comedy news piece and, you know, funny things going on now where uh, Brian would tape it at home and edit it with pieces and then put it up. So it's it's, you know, kind of getting the writers to think about, OK, let's. Let's work on this on a weekly basis, you know, give us your your funny news stories and all that kind of stuff. So it's branched out from not just necessarily the show and getting ready for the sketch show, but what else Sketchworks is doing outside of that uh, in producing content, producing, you know, videos and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Now that you're teaching within the Sketchworks frame, like within, you know, that might that framework. uh, What is like your level one class like for a new student? Like what can they expect? from that
1: level one experience yeah l- level one is um we uh well it's in that one is in person uh, for the most part unless we we did have uh, a student in colorado actually who who would skype in but then the rest of us are, are together and it's kind of going through and talking about um the first couple of classes it's six weeks first couple of classes are just kind of getting them an idea of different sketch styles, like fish out of water, clash of context, you know, all those different type of styles and showing examples of, of that and talking about, you know, why, why this worked, why, you know, this didn't work and kind of uh, discussion. And then, uh, and then at the end of that first class, it's coming up with, you know, come up with some premises, come up with some sketch ideas uh, the, to then bring to the table uh, next week, and then we'll talk about those and you'll know, you know, everybody will provide input, and you know we'll get some ideas and and uh, share things that way. So the first one is kind of more uh, focused on you know a, a lot a lot of the collaboration and coming up with ideas and uh, coming up with premises and and discussing it and and you know taking things in different areas. and not only, you know, you have in mind one direction, but you know have you considered some other directions for it and not getting locked into? Nope, this has got to be it you know, the uh, the old phrase of uh, killing babies, which I know has changed that. Someone said something different now. That's that's a little bit more uh, graphic, the killing babies, but, <laughs> you know, just, just kind of uh, having different ideas and sharing them and thinking about things in a different way than you normally had had it and working on the premise, I, I guess, uh, in, in the beginning. And then the last, we hope that first class leads up to the acting class actually performing the sketches that level one has performed. So the level one acting will Hmm. perform the sketches. Level one writing has, has performed if they're concurrent. Uh, Sometimes we have writing classes, but no acting classes going on because we didn't get enough people to sign up uh, or something like that. But Hmm. yeah, that, that is the goal of then the first one. And then the, the level two is strictly, okay, you're, you're coming to the table with sketches every week. And we're going to go through them and, you know, writer's room, are going to critique it. You're going to, you know, do different drafts and then the same thing, the level two acting class will then perform, um, perform them for actually two nights in a public show. So it really gives them that live performance experience where, you know, you go out and, you know, spread the word and, and get to, you know, get a crowd in to see this and, you know, everything, everything involved with it, getting it on stage for an actual performance for two nights.
0: Um, so I I mentioned that I had seen Sketchworks at NYC Sketchfest in mm-hmm. 2018. So you know I you know I followed you guys on Facebook and everything, and I notice um, that you do a show that is a grease parody. You call it Vape, right? And then weeks or months later, there's news coming out that you guys are getting sued because of the show.
1: Yes, we um, we came up with uh, one of our writers, Katie Hogan, she and some of the other uh, uh, actors involved with Sketchworks and and Julie Share, one of the owners, they caught a performance of Greece. Um, I think this is in twenty seventeen. Um, and afterward, they enjoyed it, but afterwards, you know, were struck by the misogyny in in, in Greece and you know just kind of the overall rapey feel of of, of the show. And so that inspired yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, Greece is not like I, I yeah, there's there's definitely parts of Greece where I'm like, oh, this is oh, this is not okay. Like <laughs>
1: exactly. Oof, exactly. Exactly. This is the wrong message. Oh, exactly. this is the,
0: the, the wrong moral of the story here. Like
1: <laughs> Right. Exactly. Over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, she picked up on on that and got inspired to write a parody of, of Greece. And, and actually sketchworks had never done like a full show musical parody. Um, So this was kind of a new ground. that was really interesting. And, and uh, it's, uh, you know, on a subject that kind of everybody can, everybody knows Greece, you know, you know what I mean? Um, So it was very, everybody's going to catch on to it. So we actually performed it um, at a lot of rehearsals. I was in it. We actually performed it uh, about eight times uh, at, at a couple different Atlanta theaters and got some really, you know, positive res- response. I'd say half the time the shows were sold out, which was great. Um, we, we even got like 10 nominations for Broadway world Atlanta and will one best new work non-professional. So it was like all these great, oh, nice. you know, accolades. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like very popular and, and, you know, uh, went off very, very well. Uh, Julie Cher was actually up in Boston. She's originally from the Boston area and was talking with the guys involved with uh, Improv Asylum up there about bringing vape, actually originally to Boston. Um, and they said, well, we, we just recently opened or we just recently took over uh, UCB space in Chelsea because they moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we don't have a full lineup of shows there. Would you want to do vape in New York City? and it was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we'd want to do that. So, um, so yeah, we, we were booked for like three nights, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night at the beginning of August, 2019.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we started promoting the heck out of it, you know, reaching I was reaching out to producers. We had like three that were like, yeah, I want to come, you know, this night that were interested in coming. It was like, this is going to be fantastic, um, to perform it, you know, up there. And then 10 days before our performance, is when we received a cease and desist from Concord Theatrical, um, saying that this violated the copyright of Greece, um, despite us saying that you know everywhere promoting it as a parody, a Greece parody. You know, nowhere do we claim that we're doing Greece. This is a Greece parody called Vape. Um, but you know, so we had to get an attorney who then spoke to them to say, well, you know, you know, we wanted to reach out because this is a parody, and, and they didn't. They didn't want to hear any of it. They were not budging. No, no, no. You, you can't do you're using the word grease. You're not. You, you can't do this performance. And it, uh, OK. And had reached out to, you know, Improv Asylum. They sent them the same cease and desist as they sent us. And um, so we, we still had a little bit of time to maybe when we thought to try to, like, work things out where we could do these performances because everybody had, you know, booked plane tickets to come up to New York. They had places to stay and, you know, all that kind of stuff. This is 10 days beforehand. But. No, it was it was like a there was no budging on their side. It was absolutely no, you're not performing this. So, what Sketchworks decided to do is um, they they got a, a copyright lawyer who actually originally was like when she first was approached by Sketchworks was like a little bit on like well I'm very big about copyright law and rights and you know I'm a little skeptical about you guys but then she saw like a, a video recorded performance. Uh, of the show. And, and it really kind of changed her mind. She was like, I see now this absolutely is, is parody. Uh, you know, you guys do have a right, there is a right to parody. So you guys absolutely have a right to do this. She got in ta- contact with uh, Jordan Greenberger in New York city, who, who f- recently had f- uh, fought for a parody of like uh, the Grinch. I guess there was some theater mm-hmm. in, in New York, or Staten Island. that did a parody of, of the Grinch. Uh, Dr. Seuss's people came in to put a cease and desist on them. Uh, He was there; he was the attorney for the show, and actually fought and successfully won, and and got them to perform their their Grinch parody. After that, so we got him on on our side as well, and we filed a suit against Concord Theatrical and uh, the rights holders to Greece for preventing us from doing our, you know, our First Amendment right parody show. so we actually sued. We got the cease and assist, but then we sued them for preventing us from from doing the show, from stopping us from, you know, kind of uh, doing our show. Uh, there was a lot of, and that is still as we're speaking in in March. That is still in litigation. There was a lot of kind of uh, back and forth about uh, negotiation of tried try to get to to get us to to do the show because we would like to do the show again, um, but didn't have it. It went to a magistrate who uh right before it went to the magistrate the rights holders to Greece filed a motion to dismiss sketchworks is just looking for publicity uh you know they're clearly violating our copyright da, da 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 the magistrate looked at it and went well no this is parody you know i'm giving you guys another 30 days to negotiate to work out something um and hopefully so it doesn't have to you know come come to a judge and so that's where it is now we're in that 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 period but because of all the health, you know, the coronavirus, everything going on, things are kind of uh, stalled uh, because of that. But uh, yeah, that's where, that's where things are right now. Negotiations have broken down and uh, we're still hoping that we can work something out. um, So we don't have to go to court, but if we do have to uh, go before a judge, we're very confident in, in where we are that this is parody and we have an absolute right to perform a a parody of of Greece or anything else really, as we all do.
0: (laughs) That's so crazy. Like it really is. It just feels so, yeah, entirely unnecessary.
1: When we when we first got the cease and assist, you know, I saw it and was like, okay, no, 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 this is not. You're, you know, you're in denial. You're like, okay, no, 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 this is. We could still do because it was telling. Like I said ten days before the, before uh, we were to perform. It's like, okay, no, 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 we we can still do the show. Hold on a minute here. Let's. But no, it. it yeah, it, it is just ridiculous and a huge waste of <laughs> time and resources. You know, to 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 do this, but it's been an interesting process.
0: Oh my gosh. that That's, it's just, that's crazy. Um, hmm. <laughs> I can't like, <laughs> I just can't fathom is the whole thing of it. it just seems just so stupid to me. Yeah. That, and, and, that and almost would care.
1: Yeah. And, and it almost, and, uh, what was, oh, there was a quote that they, that they said, which was, uh, oh, that, uh, a vape, uh, vape is derogatory this was it vape was derogatory towards greece and we don't want it shown like well I'm, I'm sorry you know sorry not that's sorry right. but you don't have that right to shut down something you think is is derogatory have you looked at your show that's a little bit derogatory as, yeah. as well uh and one guy actually as i mentioned you know one of the producers i reached out to to kind of get the word out about the show he he wasn't able to come but he got in touch with me and he said you know it's, it's interesting you're doing a parody of greece which originally when it was first staged and written in the early seventies was a parody itself of like fifties culture. He goes, but it hit, right. yeah. Like, but in his opinion, like
0: most, of the, most of that music points back to something else. Yeah, like,
1: exactly. But in his opinion, uh, he feels that when the movie came out in 78, people took Greece to be a serious musical and forgot about the parody aspect of the 50 of the fifties teen culture. And so now it's, it's in his, his point of view was now it's, it's viewed as like this serious musical, um, which, hmm. which is kind of interesting, you know, uh, learning more about the history of, of, of Greece and, and uh, yeah, where it came from and how, and how it is. Yeah.
0: Like. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen the stage version of Greece since like my high school did it. Yeah. 20 years ago. So yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um I know they did like uh when Fox was doing those live or NBC or one of the network channels was doing those live uh musical performances they did they did Grease and they also did like uh Peter Pan and something else. Um but yeah, that was that was like the I last actually, time. I actually
0: Yeah, uh, of of those TV live musicals, I think Grease is actually is the best one that yeah. I've seen. Like they, they they got away some of like they got some of like the performance things correct like having a live audience for certain parts of it totally helps that That's show. right,
1: yeah. That's right.
0: Compared to some of the the boring ones that are just shot in a warehouse somewhere
1: <laughs> that they just do live in front of nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. It needs it needs that live energy. Um so yeah, that's where things are with with sketchworks now and and with vape and uh, kind of took the uh, wind out of our sails for a little bit of uh, the beginning of last year anyway, uh, 2019
0: and that's yeah, a while. Yeah yeah um so uh i skipped this question earlier i ask everybody uh out live is the you know preeminent sketch comedy in america right mm. now uh who's your favorite cast member of all time
1: that that is huh that's very and i, I you know i know that you asked that it's, it's a very difficult uh question because it i i you know what i'm probably gonna i'm gonna say i'm probably gonna go with dana carvey um, just mm-hmm. because he knew and understood the the sketch format and and worked it so very well um and, and you know I'm not even thinking about necessarily his you know in, impressions which he did very well uh just just the the way he could perform in a in a sketch and you know deliver lines and 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 hold and you know just just the whole thing i'd say you know after you know, the, the original, uh, cast members of, of Saturday Night Live, you know, he was kind of that first, well, and then there was, you know, Eddie Murphy in the, uh, early eighties, but then there was, wasn't any real standouts for a while. And he kind of came along, you know, when I was in high school, probably when, and, uh, kind of really made everybody take notice again and what was going on there. And, and it kind of brought his energy kind of brought everyone else up in that cast, uh, up up a notch. Oh well, him and you know even Phil Hartman, he, he would probably come in a close second. Um, mm. although Phil, there was always kind of, and this is more personally with him, but you know he kind of really relished and enjoyed his private time and and remaining kind of a uh, you know unknown to to the public. You know he'd rather have the characters known and all that kind of out there. Um, but yeah he yeah I, I yeah I would say Dana Carvey, but there's been so many you know great since then. Uh, you know Molly Shannon, Sherry O'Terry, Anna Gastar, Tina Fey, Will, Chris Kattan. You know, th- th- there's always these standouts. Uh, John Mulaney, Bill Hader. You know, I, I enjoy, really enjoy all of them. And and um, I think the, you know the cast now is really doing a, a great job with everything. There was only yeah. there was only like one period in their you know 40 plus history, which was and you probably remember it the like 95, 96 before they got Will Ferrell. When they had like Jeannie Garofalo and and Chris Elliott and
0: uh, uh yeah, what that's a weird season for sure. Yeah. There's some weird stuff on that. Like that does that doesn't fit. But then there are a couple other like really good gems in that season. Yeah. Like there I, there's a sketch that I think was um I don't think it was on the Chris Farley the best of Chris Farley one, but it was on like some compilation where they're like Victorian era figure, like skaters on an ice pond and Chris Farley falls through the ice. Yes. I
1: remember that. And uh, like Michael McKean. Sh-
0: that's such a yeah. weird fun sketch. McKean like
1: shows up as the devil and then yeah. he has to pull him out. Oh and, uh, uh, yeah. 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 That's I, I do remember. I do remember. They all one. fall
0: yeah. through eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, um, but I remember right. like leading up <laughs> like, to that. No, I remember leading up to that season because, you know, I love Janine Garofalo, uh, her stand up and then, you know, the Ben Stiller show. And it's like, oh, great. She's going to be on it. Chris Elliott. I enjoy him. There was I remember being so excited about that leading up to it. And then it, I, I don't know what happened in there. It, it just it just didn't. Yeah, it just didn't. Um.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't work for sure. Um, and then so as we're wrapping up, as we're winding down here, I asked the same. I get a little deeper at the end uh mm-hmm. so what's what's a piece of advice that you would pass on uh a piece of advice about comedy that you would pass on to a new writer
1: piece of advice about comedy i would pass on would be to to kind of f- follow follow your your voice right what you think is is funny don't listen to don't get it so much into your head where you think oh people aren't going to like this because of X, Y, and Z, or oh, I don't know if I should write that. That may be too much. You know, it's, write write what you want it to be. And if it's something for you know, like a, a stage show, or even even if it's you know for for digital, there's going to be uh, the point where you share it. You'll get the feedback from other people that will let you know, like like with the grammar box limitations. You know, we, we can't do this for this reason. Um, but I, I would say, you know, kind of stick to your voice and and write what you think is funny without without uh, a lot of input or getting too much in into your head. And then um, and then you'll 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 learn. You'll learn if, if it's if it's something like in the in the sketch sketchworks writers room. If if a writer is passionate about a line that maybe doesn't click click or connect with some of the other writers and they put up a case for No, no, no. It, it has to be this because X, Y and Z you know it's usually going that that passion will show through and it'll usually be okay we'll we'll do it if we do it on the stage and it doesn't work then you know our our writers are are very open to uh making adjustments say hey that line that you know that's not landing is there something else that you you know without rewriting the whole sketch for the show if it's if it's just one line or something yeah um they're very, uh, they're very open to to making changes and suggestions based on, you know, audience feedback. We we all want to do the the best show that that we can, but yeah, I, I'd say if you're starting out, you know, write what 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 you think, what, write what you think is funny, and, and you know, stick to to your voice without without too much input from 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 others. Uh, that's uh, as I say that, I'm I'm thinking, you know, you also don't want to be so rigid that you're not (laughs) you're not taking (laughs) constructive criticism um it's it's really weird trying to come up with like when i start first started uh teaching the 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 writing class i was thinking okay well what are the the quote-unquote rules for sketch comedy but it's all it's all those quote-unquote rules are all knocked out of the water by you know is it funny you know what i mean so it's very difficult to 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 kind of come up with with that or, or give advice about sticking to your voice. Cause you don't want, you don't want somebody to be so, well, this is what I think it's funny and I'm not changing it. And I quit, you know, you know, you don't want to be that person. So.
0: Yeah. It's the same thing. Of like uh, we have to teach you the rules so that you know how to break them later. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It is. It is really that it's like, well, wait a minute. You said do this, but now you're doing the opposite. Well, It's because, you know, it's I can, and it's funny now. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Either, we're teaching you certain forms. To subvert yeah. them and to play with them. And yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can, it's like what I remember. Um, uh, there's that documentary about the making of apocalypse now heart of darkness or hearts of darkness. Mm. Uh, and there was a moment where, you know, uh, Coppola is talking to like Dennis Hopper and Hopper's like, I, I don't know my lines. I don't know my lines. And uh, Coppola is like, well, y- y- you don't, you know, you read the lines, but then forget them, you know, come up with your own stuff. Just know that where the lines are going, and but I don't care if you get, don't get any of the words right. If you get the gist of it, you know, go with that. So it is that of, yeah, know, know the rules to then break them and forget them. But yeah. So I hope that helped.
0: And then, <laughs> and, then and then finally, uh. You know, you did some sketch comedy back in college, you did some improv, you take a long break, which makes me feel better about my little hiatus I took a couple years ago. Uh but so why why comedy? Why has comedy been such a big part of your life? Uh,
1: it's 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 kind of always been it's always been something I've really enjoyed doing. Um I remember, you know, as as a kid it was when my parents would have like neighbors over friends over I would consciously think okay I'm gonna get um, my goal is to get one of one of my parents adult friends to to laugh at something I said not necessarily what I did you know everybody can like do a, a pratfall or, or whatever and get a laugh but I wanted you know to think of something that made them them laugh at it so I just I've always enjoyed really enjoyed um, comedy and have leaned towards sketch because it was you know something that an idea that I thought of, wrote out where characters could say, and then see it, you know, performed on stage or, you know, uh, recorded and edited um, in in some type of a a video. So yeah, it's just, uh, it was nothing more than, I don't have a huge tragic, you know, background or anything where it was like this saved my life, but it's just something I always enjoyed gravitated to and, and and through the years. And like I said, we're all still learning, but, you know, through the years have, have uh, developed a certain amount of ability with it. to where, you know, I, 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 I still do enjoy it. And it kind of makes me think of, I remember in high school, a friend of mine who, who was also funny, but, but he, he could, he could like be funny and then not be funny. Whereas I always wanted to, to, you know, be funny and get a laugh. Uh, he, he said something to me one night he was like, John, why do you always have to be funny? And uh, I was like, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just part of me I think I think there are people who you know that's their that's their nature, you know comedians, comic actors, that's just their their nature uh it, it, it is to do that. um so it that was kind of my first thinking of, oh, he actually like turns it on and turns it off uh where oh, I'm gonna be funny <laughs> now oh, I'm gonna be more serious now. Oh, I'm with these people, so I'm gonna be this now, whereas you know, it doesn't matter what situation I'm in, I'm you know i I, I want to be the the funny one. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's just, it's just so enjoyable.
0: Yeah. All right. Thanks, John. John D. Babcock is currently their head writer of sketchworks in Atlanta, Georgia. Give them a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash sketchworks comedy where they've been posting a bunch of sketches from their history, and then Sketchworkscomedy.com for all the information about classes and shows if you're in the Atlanta area. And I announced it up top, I'll say it again. Philly Sketchfest and My First Sketch will be presenting Sketchubator, a sketch comedy incubator, while we're unable to have live shows. The first one will take place on May 1st at 10 p.m. All the details will be posted on PhillySketchfest.com and MyFirstSketch.com as well as all the social media platforms. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketch Fest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding.